Making it to Wednesday is a win in itself, and Dunkin' thinks you deserve a reward. That's why every Wednesday, now through December, Dunkin' Rewards members get a free donut with drink purchase. So whether you like your midweek pick-me-ups oozing with chocolate or filled with jelly, it's on us, because you deserve it. Save time and order ahead on the app with Dunkin' Rewards. Not a member? Join today. America runs on Dunkin'. Limit one classic donut per member per Wednesday. Terms and exclusions may apply. Participation may vary. Offer ends 12-27-2023. This is Max Hedrum. Our generation may not remember the moon landing, but we remember moon boots. If you owe a few cavities to candy cigarettes, learn your adverbs from schoolhouse rocks, burned your shins on a hot metal slide with sharp edges, exploding pop rocks for science, and you still want your MTV, then this podcast is for you. Dancing with Myself is dedicated to the decade of excess, the 1980s. So pull up your leg warmers and let's get physical. Greetings. Welcome to episode 12 of Dancing With Myself. Are you ready for a gnarly podcast? Let's get into it. After lackluster performances in the 1970s, Broadway rebounded in the 1980s with bigger shows and bigger stars than it had boasted in years. Production budgets and ticket prices were also bigger. In 1980, the typical cost for mounting a big show was about $1 million. By the end of the decade, the cost had mushroomed to four or five times that amount. The $4 million production cost for the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical Cats in 1982 set a Broadway record. Only six years later, his Phantom of the Opera cost $8 million. Theater goers who had paid about $10 for a seat in the mid-1970s found themselves spending between $25 and $45 a ticket for a comparable show by 1983. Because it was shrewdly marketed as a theatrical event, the nine-hour two-part staging of The Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby in 1981, David Edgar's adaptation of Charles Dickinson's novel, had people lining up at the box office to shell out a record $100 per ticket. Such high prices were partly attributable to the fact that, like the rest of America, theater audiences had more disposable income by the mid-1980s. Yet the greatest single reason for escalating production budgets was skyrocketing labor costs. As ticket prices went up, theater audiences began expecting bigger and better shows for their bigger cash outlay. Producers, in turn, scurried to find surefire box office hits, packing their productions with elaborate special effects and eye-popping scenery and costumes. Often, as with Claude-Michel Schoenberg and Edward Baer's musical Les Miserables, the results were spectacular. Just as often as with musical versions like Carrie, they were not. Too often, the attempt to create an event was transparent. In 1983, when Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton starred in the revival of Noel Coward's Private Lives for a reported $70,000 a week each, Times commented, Midas cast this revival. The New York Times concurred, noting that the show had all the gaiety of a tax audit and never even pretends to be anything other than a calculated business venture. During the 1980s, few subjects were in the news as consistently as the widespread and increasing use of cocaine in the United States. There were two main stages in this growing problem. 
In the first stage, during the early 1980s, many considered cocaine a harmless, even glamorous recreational drug. It was the drug of choice of the famous and successful, professional athletes, celebrities in the arts and entertainment industry, lawyers, university professors, and Wall Street brokers, who were among the few who could afford the high black market price of cocaine. In 1982, the National Survey on Drug Abuse found that 22 million Americans had used cocaine at one point or another. Experts debated the significance of this number, but none disputed that cocaine was spreading rapidly, and health officials began to speak openly about a cocaine epidemic. Even the cocaine-related death of the comedian John Belushi in 1982 failed to dim many users' enthusiasm for the drug, and cocaine use, which had risen dramatically in the late 1970s, continued to increase. Because of its high price, it was sometimes called the champagne of drugs, and the white powder became a sort of status symbol at yuppie parties. Such users persisted in the misconception that cocaine was non-addictive. At this stage, cocaine use seemed to be an adjunct to the life in the fast lane syndrome prevalent among the yuppies. The 1984 PGA Player of the Year was Tom Watson, who snatched a major tournament from Jack Nicklaus in 1982 and ended up being a three-time Player of the Year awardee by the end of the decade. Standing on a downslope facing a slick green on the 17th hole at Pebble Beach, Watson chipped in for a birdie in the 1982 U.S. Open. Called a 1,000-to-1 shot by runner-up Nicholas, the 16-footer led to Watson's first U.S. Open victory, but it was no fluke. Watson said, quote, I've practiced that shot for hours, days, months, and years. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone.